You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Global stocks rise as the bond sell-off eases. Disney heads today's earnings parade on Wall Street. President Biden makes another pitch for his economic agenda. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer endorses a ban on stock trading in Congress. Governor Cuomo says New York COVID hospitalizations are down to Christmas levels. Plus, protests continue today in Myanmar after last week's military coup. I'm Michael Bond. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The losses continue for the Knicks and Nets. The Devils won St. John's loss and finally a gold medal for the U.S. at the Olympics. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak, brought to you by SEI. Challenges highlight one's character, partnership, and resilience. At SEI, they act as one community with their clients. Go to SEIC.com slash banks. And U.S. futures adding to yesterday's gains. 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 27 points. Dow futures up 170. NASDAQ futures up 106. The DAX in Germany is up 1.4%. 10-year Treasury up 1230 seconds. Yield 1.91%. And the yield on the two-year 1.31%. Nathan. Well, Karen, the rise in stocks comes as the sell-off in bonds takes a break. 10-year Treasury yields are retreating after U.S. stocks staged a late rally in yesterday's session. Ryan Dietrich, chief market strategist at LPL Financial, says it's a resilient market. 
Really, we're carving out a bottom. We had about a 10% correction in the S&P here. Um, you know, we could maybe go back down and test it from a technical point of view. But the truth, again, is this market just kind of seems like it's choppy and wants to kind of just bide its time here. It's not necessarily bearish, maybe not super bullish either, but that's not the end of the world after the rally we saw last year. LPL Financial Chief Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich made the comments on Bloomberg Business Week. Catch the program weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, overnight, Nathan, we saw stocks in Asia follow Wall Street higher. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. Chinese stocks advanced in afternoon trading, tracking a rally in regional peers and a state-backed funds intervention in the previous session allayed fears of a further rout. The smaller tech-focused Chinex index also gained after entering a technical bear market in the previous session. Meanwhile, a rebound in tech shares such as Alibaba boosted Hong Kong's market, the Hang Seng index up more than 2%, and the Bank of Japan opted not to deviate from its panned quarterly bond purchases, holding fire even as yields rose to 6 highs. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Juliet, thank you. Earnings continue to be a focus on Wall Street this week. Shares of Lyft are down more than 4% in early trading. Revenue at the company beat estimates, but riders fell short in the face of the Omicron variant. We get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. While Lyft was benefiting from higher prices because of a shortage of drivers, it also reported fewer riders than expected as Omicron damped travel. Revenue rose 70% from a year ago. The company reported 18.7 million active riders in the quarter, up 49% from a year earlier, but still short of the 22.9 million in 2019. Analysts were expecting 20 million. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thank you. Another stock we're keeping an eye on this morning is Container Store. Shares are down 25% after an earnings forecast that trailed estimates. Even before today's slump, Container Store stock was down 40% from its peak in March. Well, coming up today, Karen, we get earnings from 15 companies in the S&P 500, and Disney headlines the list. Let's get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Well, the big focus for Disney's first quarter earnings today will be on subscriber growth at Disney Plus, its streaming video service, as more people shift to viewing movies and shows online. Forecast call for just over 125 million subscribers now, a sizable increase thanks to colder winter weather and the Omicron variant keeping many Americans at home last quarter. Also of note, it's Theme Parks Division, which may have seen a return to pre-pandemic levels in December. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. Tom, thank you. Let's shift from Wall Street to geopolitics now, where the standoff with Russia continues. Now the Senate is working on a package of sanctions to put some teeth into threats aimed at Russia. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Whether the senators can get together on this in bipartisan fashion is an open question. Democratic Senator Chris Kuhn says progress is being made. I'm hopeful that we will see a sanctions bill that has bipartisan support introduced this week. But Republican Senator Mitch McConnell, minority leader, says it is not the right path. I don't think Putin will be deterred by any piece of legislation in the United States Senate. McConnell says the president has all the tools himself to go ahead and slap on sanctions in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed, thanks. At the White House, we see a fresh push today to promote President Biden's economic agenda. He'll meet with leaders of the nation's largest utility companies as part of an effort to promote energy and climate measures. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. 
This is just the latest effort by President Biden to rally support from corporate leaders. The attendees, including officials from Exelon, Edison International, Duke Energy, and American Electric Power, are expected to encourage Congress to pass legislation related to climate and energy. The group also plans to push for new transmission lines and other energy infrastructure, much of which is already included in the stalled Build Back Better plan. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, there's also movement on another initiative in Congress. The push to ban stock trading by lawmakers appears to be gaining steam. Making the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is endorsing a ban on stock trading by members of Congress. The idea is being pushed by both Democrats and Republicans with multiple proposals. And now Schumer wants to see the ideas merged into one bill. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell, on the other hand, says he hasn't given much thought on banning securities trading, but adds that he's invested in mutual funds rather than individual stocks. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was previously opposed to a ban, but last month began to consider one. She says if her members want to ban stock trading in Congress, that she'd support it. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thank you. Well, stocks are moving higher this morning at the index level. We have S&P futures up 29 points right now. Dow futures up 183. NASDAQ futures on the rise by 116 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 12.30 seconds. The yield now 1.91%, and the yield on the two-year 1.31%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 30 degrees in Central Park, and we have an overturned tractor-trailer southbound New Jersey Turnpike by Exit 10. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. As COVID cases continue to drop across the country, states are easing pandemic restrictions, including indoor mask mandates. Today, New York's governor, Kathy Hochul, is set to drop the state's indoor mask mandate. This as infection rates drop across New York State and the rest of the country. We've not seen these kind of numbers since November 8th. Governor Hochul is expected to keep the mandate in place for schools in the state, at least for now. Robert Lowry with the New York State Council of School Superintendents told WABC that he's pleased that Hochul is at least considering a change. She also said, you know, there's some concern about... Uh, what might happen when students and staff are away from school for the uh, uh, the February break? Um, but it's it, but it's encouraging that it's apparent from our conversation that the state is looking at um, whether and how to to make a change in mask requirements. Robert Lowry with the Council of School Superintendents says the possible change could ease some frustration among parents. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is taking aim at the RNC resolution that declared the January 6th Capitol riot legitimate political discourse. The Republican leader called it a violent insurrection. McConnell also says censuring GOP members Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger is not the RNC's job. Traditionally, the view of the National Party Committees is that we support all members of our party, regardless of their positions on some issues. McConnell says the purpose of the insurrection was to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election. An Amtrak watchdog group says New York City's Gateway Rail Project risks further delays. Amtrak's Office of Inspector General says the company is challenged by a lack of comprehensive plans for the project. 
Gateway Project is aimed at alleviating rail congestion between New York and New Jersey. A second man charged in an alleged plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is expected to plead guilty today. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Going up to 510 on Wall Street time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stasha. All right, good morning, Nathan. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. Will the Knicks and Nets make a deal? Judging from last night, both teams need some help. The Knicks in Denver, where they haven't won since 2006. They let the Nuggets score 83 points in the first half. Denver won 132-115. to 115. They had five players score at least 19 points. The Knicks have lost 10 of their last 12. Doesn't get any easier. They're at Golden State tomorrow. The Nets have lost all of their last nine back home from an 0-5 road trip. The Celtics led 28-2 to and won 126-91. That's Boston's sixth straight win. The Nets did not have the big three, and no Nets starter scored more than six points. Coach Steve Nash couldn't really blame the guys he had to use. We're man, and we asked him to go out there and trap and blitz and run around and... and and uh, do things that we haven't done a ton of to mix it up and uh, see how we did. And then even fell down, I think, 28 to 2. That's in Washington tomorrow. Devils, a 7 1 route of Montreal. St. John's fell at home to 15th ranked Villanova, 75 60. Top ranked Auburn lost in overtime at Arkansas. The Giants' new defensive coordinator is Don Wink Martindale, surprisingly fired by Baltimore. He replaces Patrick Graham, who was offered to stay but left for the Raiders. Joe Judge going back to New England where he was an assistant before his two-year stint as Giants head coach. Sixteen years ago, Lindsay Jacobellis was ridiculed for celebrating prematurely in her snowboard race at the Olympics. It cost her a gold medal. Today, at age 36, Jacobellis won a gold, the first by the U.S. in Beijing. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Yeah, how ironic. Now we're celebrating gold belatedly. Thanks, John. S&P futures right now up 30 points. Dow futures up 188. NASDAQ futures are higher by 123 points. The 10-year Treasury up 11.30 seconds, the yield 1.92%. We'll check in with Bloomberg Markets Editor Christina Kino next on these markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunshine, low 40s today. will be partly to mostly sunny tomorrow, upper 40s. Mix of sun and clouds by Friday, upper 40s to around 50 degrees. Currently 30 in Central Park. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise and a sell-off in sovereign bonds pausing, bringing some relief for markets whipsawed in recent weeks by concerns about tightening monetary policy. Check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 33 points. Dow futures up 208. NASDAQ futures up 140. DAX in Germany is up 1.5%. The 10-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds, yield 1.91%. Yield on the two-year, 1.31%. 
NYMEX crude oil is down two tenths percent or 16 cents at $89.20 a barrel. COMEX gold that'll change at 1828.20 an ounce. The euro 1.1426 against the dollar. British pound 1.3577. The yen's at 115.43. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower at $43,600. And today we're watching for a report on wholesale inventories out at 10 o'clock Wall Street time. And Disney and CBS Health are among companies scheduled to report earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is criticized the Republican National Committee for censuring two House GOP lawmakers saying it's not the party's job to decide whom to support. McConnell also called the January 6th Capitol riot a violent insurrection. Lindsay Jacobellis captured America's first gold medal of the Beijing Olympics in her snowboard cross final. The U.S. has a total of seven medals, including five silvers. Norway and Sweden are tied for gold medals at four apiece. Russia has the most overall medals at 10. In the NBA, the Knicks lost. The Celtics beat the Nets 126-91. In the NHL, the Devils won. The Bruins and Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're very pleased to be joined this morning by Bloomberg Markets Editor Christina Kino. As we see, uh, well, buying across the board, Christine. Good morning. Stocks getting a lift. Uh, bond yields are falling now. Do you think the bond sell-off has kind of found a range at this point? Yeah, it certainly feels like that, Nathan, at least in the short term, though, given the price action that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, if I were an investor, it'd be difficult for me to trust this. Um, I don't know that we're out of the woods just yet, especially with um, the big U.S. CPI data coming tomorrow. But certainly for today, it seems like the theme is a breather in bond markets. Yeah, especially on the long end, getting a big bid this morning for the 30 year. What's behind that, do you think? Well, it certainly feels a bit like a consolidation, if you will, because that part of the Treasury curve has certainly borne the brunt of the sell-off that we saw over the last couple of weeks after we heard from the Fed's hawkish pivot and um, other central banks followed through. It's certainly the, the the trade in vogue was short duration. We kept hearing that from a lot of investors over the last few weeks. And so on a day like today, when everything is reversing just a little bit, and there's this feeling of consolidation, you would expect some of those um, longer-end treasuries and, and parts of the bond market to be the first ones in line for a bit of a uh, rebound, at least on the day. But as you mentioned, this could be a consolidation for now because you allude to the CPI data, the inflation print that we're going to get tomorrow. From the investors that you're speaking to, what's their expectation about the kind of volatility we could see once we get hard numbers on the latest account on inflation? Well, there's certainly a feeling of investors bracing for any sort of risk that could come out there, whether it's a bit of a disappointment from that number or um, if it surprises even more to the upside. And I think what we really have seen in bond markets, especially this year, is that it's the return of two-way risk. You know, it doesn't just go one direction anymore, which is what we saw over the past decade because central banks just, keep, uh, just kept buying uh, bonds 
ones across the globe, but now that environment is changing very much. And so we're certainly seeing more of this sort of uh, double direction, if you will, in, in bond yields. And, and that's certainly something that, you know, as, as evidenced by today's um, a pullback in yields after a couple of days of, of climbing. Yeah, we've heard quite a bit of commentary about whether uh, the 10-year could climb as high as 2.5, maybe even 3% based on what the Fed does. Uh, what's the expectation on where the Fed could go from here, particularly with that March meeting coming up next month and so much talk about whether there's going to be not just a, a, a quarter percent rate hike, but maybe a half percent? Absolutely. I think we're calling that a supersized rate hike uh, yeah. in March. Um, you know, I think that still is very much part of the discussion and certainly something that investors are keeping half an eye on. But I have to say, just looking at some of the uh, market pricing over the last couple of days, it has lost a little bit of steam just in terms of what's built into traders' expectations. And I think that's partly why we're seeing a bit of relief for bonds here because, you know, as a lot of investors have noted, the pricing and just the expectation for the Fed and other central banks to really get in on a rate hiking cycle, that really hit fever pitch, you know, um, uh, over the last uh, few days and weeks of January and heading into February. And so now that the markets have kind of gotten that into um, its system and, and priced some of those in, there's really only so much you can price. And so now that we're waiting for the next input, which could come as soon as tomorrow from the inflation data, it makes a lot of sense for a bit of a pause there. In our last minute here, Christine, I guess we're seeing some of that relief play out in the stock market as well as we get through earnings season. It's been really interesting, though, to see how, you know, misses on earnings have just been crushed while beats have gotten really outsized rewards in this cycle. Absolutely, Nathan. And I think that is very much investors really looking at the fundamentals of individual companies and seeing, can they withstand this environment of less support from central banks and, and the Federal Reserve and rising rates? And there has been such a focus on um, uh, individual companies' fundamentals because the question is, can corporates really uh, stand on their own and have their own um, merits and, and capitalize? that, despite the fact that they're not going to be in as supportive of an environment as they have been in the past decade. Good to have you on with us, Christine. Thanks for being here. Christina Kino, Bloomberg Markets Editor, with us this morning as we watch uh, in, uh, assets climb pretty much across the board, really, with S&P futures right now up 34 points, Dow futures up 216 NASDAQ futures are higher by 137 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 11.30 seconds. The yield 1.92%. The yield on the 2-year 1.32. And the 30-year yield right now 2.21%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunshine low 40s today. Partly to mostly sunny tomorrow. Upper 40s. Could hit 50 on Friday under a mix of sun and clouds. Right now it's 30 under a clear sky in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. 
And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Global stocks are rising as the sell-off in bonds hits pause. Ten-year Treasury yields are retreating after U.S. stocks staged a late rally in yesterday's session. We get more from a Bloomberg Markets reporter, Christine Aquino. I think we are starting to see signs of the sell-off at least pausing, if not completely stopping. Definitely today, there's this feel of a bit of a pullback, perhaps um, hedging ahead of the CPI number in the U.S. tomorrow. That's going to be the next big one, probably. And Bloomberg's Christina Kino says technology stocks are leading gains in Europe, and right now S&P futures are up 33 points. Well, earnings are once again in focus today, Karen. Disney leads 15 companies reporting. Meantime, shares of Lyft are down almost 4%. The company reported fewer riders than expected in the fourth quarter as the Omicron variant curbed travel. Now we turn to geopolitics and the latest on Russia. The Kremlin continues to deny any intention to invade Ukraine. Congress is split on whether to sanction Moscow. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell is skeptical it would be effective. But Democrats like Virginia Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger says it's a viable option. We should be ready for any possible contingency. We should be ready to punch as hard as we can as it relates to sanctions at whatever point in time we decide to move in that direction. Virginia Congresswoman Abigail Spamberger spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. At the White House today, Karen, we see a fresh push to promote President Biden's economic agenda. He will meet with leaders of the nation's largest utility companies as part of an effort to promote energy and climate measures. Meantime, Nathan, the push to ban stock trading in Congress appears to be gaining steam. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is endorsing a ban on stock trading by members of Congress. The idea is being pushed by both Democrats and Republicans with multiple proposals. And now Schumer wants to see the ideas merged into one bill. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says he has not given much thought to the idea. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was previously opposed to a ban but says if members want it, she'll support it. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. S&P futures up 34 points, Dow futures up 216, and NASDAQ futures up 140. The 10-year Treasury up 1030 seconds, yield 1.92 percent, and the yield on the two-year 1.31 percent. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 30 degrees in Central Park, and a big issue on the southbound New Jersey Turnpike truck lanes. There's an overturned tractor trailer near exit 10. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York's governor and health officials are planning changes in two COVID mask mandates. One of the mandates requires face coverings in schools, and the other mandates that they have them in other public indoor settings. Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul plans to announce today which rules will stay in place. She had hinted the school mandate might remain in place for now. Robert Lowry with the New York State Council of School Superintendents says that he's pleased that Hochul is at least considering a change. It's encouraging that it's apparent that the governor, her staff, health department officials are having conversations about uh what would justify a change in mass requirements? 
Lowry with the New York State Council of School Superintendents spoke to WABC. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is denouncing the Republican National Committee for censuring two House GOP lawmakers investigating last year's Capitol riot. McConnell called the riot a violent insurrection. The issue is whether or not the RNC should be sort of singling out members of our party who may have different views from the majority. That's not the job of the RNC. The RNC last week voted to censure Representatives Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger. The RNC resolution called the January 6th riot legitimate political discourse, and that prompted a firm pushback from several GOP senators. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says now is not the moment to drop mask mandates in schools and other public places. I don't think we're there right now. Um, I know people are cautiously optimistic. I am cautiously optimistic about watching our cases come down, and they've come down quite a bit. But we're still at 290,000 cases a day. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stanshower. All right, Nathan, between the Knicks and Nets, hard to say which team is struggling more right now. Nets just had an 0-5 road trip. The Knicks are 0-3 so far on their five-game trip in Denver, where the Knicks incredibly haven't won in 16 years. The Nuggets scored 83 points in the first half. They won 132-115. to The Knicks have lost 10 of 12. Their coach is Tom Thibodeau. The first quarter, I thought we played well. Uh, I thought the starters got us off to a good start. Uh, both offensively and defensively. And then the, the, when we broke the lineup, we lost our defensive component. The Knicks have to play Golden State tomorrow and RJ Barrett, Knicks best player, limping off the court last night. Injuries derailing the Nets. No Kevin Durant, no James Harden. He's got a hamstring injury, although some wonder if the Nets kept Harden out because they're about to trade him. We'll know by tomorrow's deadline. The Nets lost their ninth in a row. The Celtics won. 126 to 91. They led early on 28 to 2. Devils won 7 1 at Montreal. Furious rally for St. John's. They trailed Villanova by 20 with four minutes left and cut it to three. Nova held on 75 69. Fordham and Manhattan both lost. Joe Judge fired as Giants coach, has a job. It's his old one. He will again be an assistant to Bill Belichick in New England. The new Giants defensive coordinator is Wink Martindale, formerly with Baltimore. Took five days, but finally a U.S. gold medal at the Olympics. It comes from 36-year-old Lindsey Jacobellis in the snowboard cross. But another disappointment for Michaela Schifrin. Second straight time she had an early fall. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. All right, John, thank you. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Deutsche Bank and UBS are among six financial firms working with a New York-based nonprofit to reduce stigma around mental health. The program comes about two years into a pandemic that handed Wall Street firms a windfall amid a frenetic pace of trading and deal-making, leading employees to complain about burnout. Amtrak needs a better management plan to avoid further delays in the Gateway Project, aimed at alleviating rail congestion between New York and New Jersey. That's according to the company's Office of Inspector General, which cites challenges in handling personnel needs, communications, and assessing broader risks for the project. Rock salt is tough to come by in eastern Connecticut after a local New London supplier closed. The company, DRVN, left its location at State Pier because the area is being redeveloped into a hub for the offshore wind industry. 
That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potisk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how many more people need to start saving for that rainy day, according to a new survey. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. Farm product exports hit a record $177 billion last year. I'm Caroline Hepgomb, Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on the warning from Charlie Bean and Andrew Tyree that the Bank of England's independence is at risk if Treasury changes part of its funding model. I did Corey on WWJ in Detroit, I'm reporting an auto parts maker says protests and border crossings between the U.S. and Canada could bring the auto industry to a screeching halt in about two days. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. Four states... Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, and Oregon have recently announced plans to end mask mandates in K-12 schools. Others may soon follow suit. It's about time. To be clear, there's evidence that masks have been useful in blocking COVID infections in educational settings. But there are also worrying signs that they impose costs on children's social development. With case numbers dropping, it's reasonable to recalculate the balance between the protection masks provide and the difficulties they impose. In doing so, it pays to remember that school-aged children have a relatively low risk of hospitalization and death from COVID, especially if they're vaccinated. For now, and unless COVID resurges in some new form, the potential harm caused by masks seems to outweigh the benefits. States and school districts should rethink their policies accordingly. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures up 32 points. Dow futures up 197. NASDAQ futures are higher by 139 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 1.92%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny today. Low 40s will be in the upper 40s under a partly to mostly sunny sky, and we'll have a mix of sun and clouds by Friday with highs again in the upper 40s. Right now it's 30 and clear in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning and a sell-off in sovereign bonds pausing, bringing some relief for markets that are whipsawed in recent weeks by concerns about tightening monetary policy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up 32 points, Dow futures up 202, NASDAQ futures up 138, and the DAX in Germany is up 1.6%. The 10-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds, yield 1.92%. Yield on the two-year, 1.32%. NYMEX crude oils down half percent or 41 cents at $88.96 a barrel. COMEX gold little change at 18.2780 an ounce. The euro, 1.1439 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3582. The yen's at 115.46. 
six. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower at $43,560. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Protesters blocking traffic between the U.S. and Canada to oppose vaccine rules are further stretching a thin auto supply chain. Protesters halted traffic at the Ambassador Bridge that connects Windsor, Ontario to Detroit. It is the busiest border link for goods moving between Canada and the U.S. New York and Illinois will lay out plans today to phase out some mask mandates. Lindsay Jacobellis captured America's first gold medal of the Beijing Olympics in her snowboard cross final. The U.S. has a total of seven medals, including five silvers. NBA action. The Knicks lost. The Celtics beat the Nets 126-91. The NHL, the Devils won. The Bruins and Capitals lost. Global news, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks for coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to get more now on the pandemic with these trucker protests continuing and mask mandates being lifted. Dr. Stuart Ray is with us now. Vice Chair of Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Doctor, it's good to have you with us as always. I just saw a headline cross of Johns Hopkins data showing that the world has surpassed 400 million known coronavirus cases as of yesterday. Just a month ago, we were at 300 million around the world. And I guess if nothing else, it says just how dramatic the spread of Omicron has been. Yes, it's a scale at which I don't think any of us could have imagined two years ago. Uh, it's really come across the world, and and of course, there's likely undercounting of cases. So, going forward, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how we face this. And it's been interesting as well to see the push in a number of states, particularly in the Northeast, to ease up on public health restrictions, the mask mandates, that sort of thing, even as we are seeing this dramatic rise in case counts. From a public health perspective, what's the view on that in terms of easing up on mask mandates? Well, I think we all recognize that folks are exhausted and uh, I don't think that uh, if we were starting out now uh, with 2,500 deaths a day uh, or more that uh, we would be accepting uh, the current situation as, as acceptable. But I think also a big part of this is uh, that mandates or not, people really should be thinking about how effective masks are and the reality that we need to limit spread of this virus. Uh, it's a shame that mandates are the, the big conversation when it should just be that it's sensible to wear a mask, and that's really where we need to get. And if we can de-politicize uh, the wearing of masks and just wear them when rates are high, uh, that would be really helpful. Well, there has been some mixed messaging, hasn't there, about the effectiveness of masks, whether it's cloth masks or KN95s or N95s. Uh, in, in terms of that, can you provide a little more clarity about the type of mask that works well and why people should be wearing masks, even if they're fully vaccinated and boosted? Well, certainly over the last two years, we've learned a lot. And when we started out, we didn't understand how important masks would be. We didn't understand how important aerosol transmission was. Uh, so now that we have uh, so much more information, it's very clear that masks uh, are very effective for tra limiting transmission of this virus. And uh, that cloth masks uh, are, especially single-layer cloth masks, are very uh, minimally effective, whereas uh, 
the, what we call surgical masks, those uh, pleated masks that uh, are handed out in healthcare establishments, those are actually remarkably effective. Uh, it is true that uh, N95, KF94, KF, KF, KN95 masks, uh, respirator masks are more effective when worn properly. But the big thing is that the mask that works is the one that you that you wear well and that you can actually keep on. I find that uh, some of the other uh, respirator masks like the KF94s and KN95s are more comfortable to wear for long periods of time when I'm out uh, moving around in, in businesses and things like that. Uh, those are very highly effective, uh, probably a little more effective than the surgical masks, but only if worn well. Uh, and so I think people just need to uh, try to wear, find one that, that is comfortable for them and wear it. I only have about 30 seconds left here, but I want to get your thoughts on these trucker protests that have been going on north of the border for nearly two weeks now. Do, do those have an effect on the public health? Well, I think they, uh, the, when people protest mass mandates, it further divides us on uh, the uh, wearing of the masks, and I hope that folks look at those as uh, struggles uh, around the political divisions and not uh, about the efficacy of masks. And if we can just uh, wear these, I think that I don't know whether there are crowdy issues around the, the protests. So I don't know if they in themselves are spreading events, uh, but we do need to try to get past this notion that there's a battle over masking. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly on a policy level what the best way to communicate about that is. All right. Well, as always, thank you for your insights, Dr. Ray. Dr. Stuart Ray from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, where he is vice chair of medicine. Karen. Nathan, it is 553 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The pain and seizure drug gabapentin is under fire for its alleged role in the overdose crisis. A consumer advocacy group is urging the government to classify the prescription drug as a controlled substance. American Airlines is being sued in federal court in Chicago. The carrier is accused of failing to properly compensate hourly paid employees for time spent on mandatory training. General Motors was sued in Michigan federal court. A former employee says GM sends legally deficient notices informing former workers of their right to remain on the company health plan. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Thanks, Jeff. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. She claims the New York Times hurt her reputation with a 2017 opinion piece that tried to tie her political rhetoric to a deadly shooting. The Times admits it made a mistake, but says it corrected the story within 12 hours. Now a New York jury will decide if the Times is guilty of defaming Palin. For more on the case, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Gautam Hans, a professor at Vanderbilt Law School. The Times hasn't lost a defamation case in more than half a century. So is that a very high bar for plaintiffs to get over? Yes. It's very difficult for plaintiffs to prevail in defamation cases, particularly when they're public officials like Sarah Palin because of the Supreme Court's decisions dating back to the Sullivan case from the early 60s. That's why, as you noted, the Times has frequently prevailed as a defendant in such cases. The Times argues that it was an honest mistake and that it corrected the errors in about 12 hours. Is that a good defense under the Sullivan standard? 
Yeah, I think that's a strong point in the Times' favor that they acted expeditiously, relatively speaking, to correct it. I think that the plaintiffs, Tara Palin and her legal team, would probably note that 12 hours in a digital ecosystem is like 12 days in the past. And that's maybe part of why they think that Sullivan doesn't work well in today's media landscape because of the acceleration of the time horizon. But, you know, that's not part of the current standard under the law. Perhaps it might be if that's where it goes on appeal. If Palin loses here, would the Supreme Court take this case? I think it's hard to say. I do think that Palin and her legal team realize that it's going to be difficult for them to win under the current law. Sometimes people bring cases thinking that, well, maybe we'll lose at the trial level, maybe we'll even lose at the appellate court level, but we're going to aim for the Supreme Court so we can try to get a change to the law in the Supreme Court. And I think in this case, that's not a wild bet to make because at least two Supreme Court justices have some concerns about the precedent from the Sullivan case. Both Justices Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch have made written statements saying that the Sullivan precedent and potentially the actual malice standard need to be revisited or should be revisited by the Supreme Court. So it takes four votes on the Supreme Court to grant certiorari for review of a case. And we know there are possibly two. So that's halfway there. I think the possibility that there are another two is certainly conceivable to me. And that's Vanderbilt, the law professor, Gautam Hans, speaking with Bloomberg student Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news, by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at Go. And futures this morning on the rise. Our top stories are straight ahead as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.